Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And we're going to take the green flag here on yet another episode where we're going to talk about quite a lot of stuff. I mean, it's been a while since we had an episode out there. It's because of the weird schedule NASCARs had. They were off last Sunday, so no episode. But we're back and we're going to be recapping just a quick recap of a couple races, Texas and Kansas, tale of uh, two different tapes there. And then we're going to look ahead to New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Kind of a polarizing racetrack, in my opinion. Uh, I'll give my thoughts on it when we get to that part of it. We're going to look at the money line picks. Uh, obviously, before that, going to the track stats. And uh, then we'll get to some prop bets. Good prop bet session this time. And finish that off with some head-to-head action. Took a while for the, the books to put out some head-to-head matchups, so we're going to discuss that briefly as well. And then we're going to end it with a Phil's Fired Up. Haven't had one in a couple weeks, but I am fired up about something because there's a topic out there. It's the rumor mill. The rumor mill, I think, is something that the, the books can capitalize on, placing some bets on some rumors that are out there right now that will probably come to fruition. So we'll we'll leave that as a teaser and we'll get back to that at the end of this episode. But like we said, let's recap. Texas and Kansas. So the the Midwest swing comes to an end, the end of the, the cookie cutter racetracks, as I like to call them. And I mean, I was shocked. Texas Austin Dillon with the win there. Tyler Reddick finishing second. So RCR with a 1-2 finish. I I couldn't believe it. I mean, we talked about Cole Custer's win at Kentucky, and I had said on the the last episode, I cannot see another driver with the the odds above like 50-1. to I I think Austin was going around like 60-1, to and he cashed in. Just totally unbelievable to me that that's happened couple times two points paying races in a row the the long shots have won like not even a long shot is what we usually consider a long shot when we're talking money line picks i'm talking super long shots cole custer and austin dillon so honestly when we talk about new hampshire coming up i'm kind of readjusting the way i'm thinking of things just because i mean if you had those guys you had those tickets you huge payday just absolutely huge payday so really makes you think, you know, I mean, anything can happen because for a while in this season, it really seemed like it was the the rich get richer. The big guys are just dominating and it's not going to change. But now we're seeing some of these guys, not only that, but they're shifting the playoff picture, which makes it even more fun to watch and bet on. So big win for, for Dylan there. Then we went to Kansas and it was the same old stuff. Denny Hamlin winning yet again, so he continues his dominance of the 2020 season. Just, you know, a couple of the the little guys win, and then the 11 car gets back into victory lane. Like, hey, by the way, I'm I'm still the man here. So that was, uh, you know, on point there, pretty much what we expected. Um, 
for those two races, we, we didn't call out the, the money line picks, but we did keep cashing in on the top tens. That seems to be our, our thing right now. This past month or so, top 10 picks have been on fire for us. Knocked out a couple of head-to-heads, but lately, personally, when I'm putting the bets in, I've been parlaying them, and I, you know, even if you go three and one, it's still not a, a you're not cashing in. So, um, can't feel good about that. But at the end of the day, uh, the the props and the the top tens have been kind of our saving grace. So, this week we're gonna, you know, turn it all around for all of the stuff. We want to hit on all cylinders. That's what we're going for. So. We are going to look ahead to this weekend at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. So I mentioned it was kind of a polarizing racetrack. Well, that's because it's just a little bit different. I mean, it's a technically a short track. It's just over a mile. So when you hear mile racetrack, you're thinking, okay, well, that's that's some good stuff. But it's a very flat track. And I think that's what kind of turned some people off to this racetrack. They had two races for a little while and then... 2017 was the last time they had two races. They took a race away from it just because, A, it was a little bit boring, I think most people would say, and and two, they weren't getting the attendance. So they took a race away. It's a big weekend for them. I mean, you know, one race, you're going to want to see a, a you know, big show. Obviously, the attendance isn't going to be a, a big deal this weekend, but you're going to want to see a good race. If you only have one per year, it's a, it's a big deal. So... Let's talk about the Sean Boy track stats. And once again, track stats, again, sponsored by Sean Boy. He is the man. He's your analytics. He's your numbers guy. If you've got something going on, the boss is all over you this summer, and you're just trying to get onto some vacation. He's pounding you for some numbers. You need spreadsheets done. You don't know what you're doing. Give Sean Boy a call. He will give you a phenomenal consultation, and if you use the promo code Cougars, you'll get half off your first consultation with Sean Boy. He's the man. I've seen him give just a, a free consultation on the golf course, and he gave some that guy a, a little tip on his golf game. So Sean Boy is the man. Just remember, Sean Boy, he's our boy. So looking at the tracks that's here is actually pretty interesting because it's a little bit different than the racetracks that we've talked about in the track stats sections of episodes past this year. So winning from the poll, actually, excuse me, there's been 48 races total. So that's your sample size for this racetrack. Pretty strong sample size. I mean, that's a lot of races at this track. Somebody starting from the poll and winning the race, it's happened six times. And the last time it happened, Kyle Bush in 2017, starting having the winner start in the top five, it's happened only 13 times. So that's 27% of the time. Usually what we've seen these past few months is that that stat is around the 50% mark. But this is what we're seeing here is it's around the 27% mark. And the winner starting within the top 10, it's happened 25 times, which is 52% of the time. And to make matters even more interesting, the winner starting outside of the top 20, it's happened nine times. That's good enough for just under 20% of the time. So I'm throwing a lot of numbers your way. What does that mean? It's telling us that someone doesn't have to be starting in a good spot to win this race, which is even more interesting because of what we've seen two of the last three races, winners starting from outside of the top 12, coming in and and winning the race. So it really makes you think, you know, how do you want to play this? And to be honest, this is going to lead me 
to kind of change up my strategy and really fade the favorites this week because, I mean, we'll, we'll get our action in on these favorites, but we'll talk about them more in the head-to-head section. But we're talking money line. I'm going for the big payday. I'm going for the big ticket. All right, I'm kind of avoiding the Harvicks. I'm avoiding the Hamlins and, and the Kyle Bushes. I mean, Hamlin, I have just have a rule of thumb. I don't try to go back to back races. Um, you know, if, if Hamlin won last race we had, I don't want to bet on him to win. You know, this coming week. That's just a, a personal rule that I try to, you know, take seriously, and it typically works out for me. It's it's kind of rare for somebody to win back to back races, but. Harvick's going to be, you know, plus 400, I think was his line. Um, Kyle Busch is interesting because he's dropping to, you know, he's typically up around that plus 500, plus 550 mark. But because of his actions this year, he's started to slide a little bit. It's a little intriguing, plus 750, but I've sworn him off for a while. And uh, so I got to stay true to my word there. So I'm going for the big value picks. All right. So. I'm not saying that Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin and, and these guys aren't going to be contending for the race win. They definitely will be. But from my perspective right now, I'm going to take a shot on some guys that I like, but also have some pretty good values to them because we've seen that chaos can happen. And and these picks that I have, I mean, they're technically not even chaos. We've talked about these guys winning before, at least two of them. So... We're going to go with some value picks. So so let's get to some money line picks. And we're going to start with somebody that when I first thought, I mean, maybe this is a premonition. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm seeing things for the better here. But when I think of New Hampshire, my first thought was Joey Logano. And I have no idea why. Because I thought of him and I saw right away his odds were plus 1,200. And I said to myself, that's wild, right? He's the guy there. I, I thought for sure he was, you know, a big deal. But when you look at his stats, I mean, they're not phenomenal. Now, he is uh, considered, this is home track, they say. He's from up and around that area. So I think maybe that's why it stuck out in my head. But looking at Logano's numbers in his last 10 races here, he has one win, four top fives, and seven top tens. The win came back in 2014, so it was a little while ago. But, you know, I've always felt like this is a track that he contends at, he competes at. And, you know, his numbers aren't great when you look at him. So we're diving into that. He's ninth in average finish in the last 10 races here. So ninth out of all active drivers. The average finish is 12.7. So, you know, nothing to, to write home about. But one thing to consider here, he's got three straight top 10 finishes. So, you know, if he had some struggles kind of in the middle of those 10 races, he's starting to come back to the good. And, you know, considering it's his home track, that's going to be, uh, you know, some little feather in your cap there. So plus 1,200, pretty solid there. The thing about it is when he starts within the top 10, he finishes within the top 10. And it's happened five out of six times he's started inside the top 10 and he's finished inside the, the top 10 or five. So something to consider there because he'll be starting within the top 12 at least. So really, um, he's a guy that just starts where he finishes. And there's a few of those in the field this week. And, you know, he's going to get a good starting spot. So you got to 
keep him in mind when you're placing your bets because when you look at the odds, there are eight guys that the books are putting out as like the the, the guys that are up front. You have the spectrum of plus 400 to plus 1200. Logano's at the bottom end of that spectrum, plus 1200. Then it jumps to Eric Almirola at plus 2000. So they're saying that he's kind of the, the eighth best guy. And I don't think that's right. I think he is someone that can contend for a win. And we think about his current season. Well, he's finishing 35th at Kansas. That's uh, probably his worst finish of the year. If, uh, you know, one of the worst for sure. So, He's going to be rebounding, and what a better place to rebound than kind of your hometown area. Um, so Joey Logano, plus 1,200, seems to make sense for me. Like I said, when I first saw New Hampshire on the schedule, I thought Logano. So either I'm insane or there's something to it. But I'll tell you what, if he hits, I'll be playing the lottery the very next day because I'll have something going on. The next guy that I want to call out is another guy that – We've talked about it a bunch of times, and you know he may start to turn into the the Kyle Busch situation where I continue to take him to win the race, and he just keeps letting me down. He's within that group of eight drivers that we talked about uh, that the books have as as contenders to win the race, but his value is much better than a lot of these other guys, and it's Ryan Blaney. He's going off at plus nine hundred. And I think that there's something to this. Now, Penske overall hasn't been great like as far as winning the race for quite some time. So I'm calling out two Penske drivers here. So, you know, you might think that I'm a little bit off my rocker. But I think it's a combination of things when we talk about Blaney. First is the value, plus 900. That's damn good for someone of his caliber. Now, let's talk about his history at this racetrack. Seven races, one top five, three top tens. Seventh out of all active drivers in average finish, 12.1 is that average finish. And his driver rating is 11, so just missing the top 10 there. But I keep picking him because he's had such a strong season. I mean, this is without a doubt his best season, right? I don't have the, the stats in front of me to completely back that up, but just from a, a gut feel and from what you're seeing, the eye test, it's telling me that Blaney's he's really performing well. So in his last three starts at New Hampshire, so the last three years, he finished ninth, seventh, and fourth. And the last two of those was when he was driving the, the Penske 12 car. So again, we're, we talk about that a little bit in the past with Blaney, that he's performed much better recently because he's in better equipment. So you can't consider some of the times that, you know, maybe when he's first getting started because he's such a young driver, some bad finishes, and that really jacks up his stats. So you got to look really at the seed between the lines here. And it only seems like he's getting better. I mean, go back four years, it's a pattern of progress. 12th, 9th, 7th, and 4th. Hey, how about a first? And so if that were to happen, it's a big payday for us. Something else to call out is his starting position. So every time he has finished in the top 10 in his career, he has started in the top 10, which you know, he'll be at least starting in the top 12. So I don't think we have to worry too much about that. But the stats would say that he needs to be in the top 10 to, to really get that finish that you're looking for. One stat that I thought was interesting. In seven races, he's completed 100% of the laps run in those races, which is a great stat. And I started looking through some of these other drivers in the last 10 races. And 
you know, there's a few of them that have close to 100%, but there was only like one or two that I could find that had 100%. So that's telling you that he's keeping the car clean. He's able to, you know, just get it to the end, get it to the, the checkered flag. So something to be said there for that. So all in all, it's the, the trifecta, right? Good value, decent history at this racetrack, having a phenomenal season. So bam, bam, bam. And then on top of everything, he came out and became Instagram official with his girlfriend. So, hey, maybe that's a, a plus. Uh, there could be some people out there that say that's a, a negative and a deterrent, but I'm going to say I'm a, I'm a fan of love. That's going to be a, a positive influence on Blaney's life, and uh, it's really going to drive him over the edge. So mark me down for the 12 car this weekend in New Hampshire as well. And now we're going to talk about the long shot. And, you know, it's still not as long as the, the Austin Dillons of the world or the Cole Custers of the world, but I, I would consider this guy to be quite a long shot, and it's Eric Jones. It feels like he's been close but then anytime, you know, maybe you, you back him up and say, you know, hey, this is my guy, he he falls off and has a, a rough start. So four starts at New Hampshire for Eric Jones. Oh, and by the way, he's going off at plus 3,300. So big time value there, 33 to 1. Four starts, he has one top five and two top tens. So 50% of the time he's finishing the top 10. That's pretty good. His average finish, though, 16th at, you know, 16.0. So not great. I mean, he's nowhere within the, the top 10 out of all active drivers on that, but small sample size, four starts. And the thing is, last year, he finished third at this track. So, you know, momentum, they can maybe go back and, and look at some notes from last year. It was a good good year. Have some, some footage to review. He finished sixth at Texas. Now we're talking about this year. You know, his last two races, sixth at Texas, fifth at Kansas. He has momentum. If, if he ever had momentum, it's right now. I mean, two really good finishes, two top tens in a row. And the thing about it is you got to put that real-world lens on it. So we're talking about the, the playoff hunt. And because these guys have been jumping up and stealing playoff spots with these wins, he's 12 points to the bad from the cut line. So he's fighting for a playoff spot. He's fighting for his career at Gibbs. Like, he needs a new contract. So... They're going to be going balls to balls. There's only a few races left. It's like seven races, I think, to the playoffs. Not a lot of time to, to be making it up. So if you're the 20 crew, you got at least one racetrack that no one's ever been to, which is the Daytona Road Course. If you're looking ahead, right, trying to see where you're going to get your win. Nobody has ever been there. Then you got the regular Daytona race to end the season. That's two right there, complete wild cards. So here's a racetrack where you've got some success, at least recently. It's a big race for them, I would say. I think they're throwing a lot of eggs in this basket. The part of that Gibbs camp, sharing notes, it's a big deal for this 20 crew this weekend. So that's why I'm going to say plus 3,300, that is a pretty good value for us. And if you really you know, are scared off by that number, how about plus 125 just to finish in the top 10? He's 50-50 in his career for finishing the top 10. So plus 125, not bad either when you consider everything we've talked about. So that's my long shot pick. Like I said, not as long as the other guys, but I still think it's pretty solid. So to recap the money lines, we're taking Joey Logano plus 1,200, Ryan Blaney plus 900, and Eric Jones plus 3,300. Let's go. 
All right, so let's start talking prop bets and top 10s. Like I said, this is where we've been really cashing in recently, so let's see if we can keep it going. So we'll start with some top 10 picks, and I'm getting a little out there in just a second, but for starters, let's just keep riding that hot hand. I mean, why hop off of the Eric Almirola train if the train is still moving? Because he has eight straight top 10 finishes. We've been calling him out now for a while. I think he's since he had like three or four in a row. So we've been cashing him in. The books are starting to get wise to us now, though, because now they have him going off at minus 125. So obviously having a pretty good season for that team, that 10 car, really performing well. It's just so great to see, you know, somebody like that performing well, giving himself a shot to do some damage in the playoffs. And, you know, as a gambler, why not? I mean, minus 125, hell yeah. I know I usually like to take the guys to finish in the top 10 that are, you know, plus money, not minus money. But Al Marola is somebody that I just can't, you know, relax on. I'm, I'm laying it down for that 10 car, and I'm going to take him till he loses. He doesn't finish in the top 10. So looking at his stats at New Hampshire, I mean, one top five, two top 10s in his last 10 races, but, you know, nothing phenomenal. It's not anything to, to scream from the rooftops, but since he switched to Ford and Stuart Haas Racing, he's been there two times, and he finished third and 11th in that 10 car. So just like we were talking about Blaney, Almirola is the same type of deal. Solid numbers lately. Nothing to tell me that, you know, hey, stay away. You know, it's not like he finished 35th and 30th in the last two years in that 10 car. So I'm liking what I'm seeing, minus 125. I'm, I'm fine laying that down, and uh, we'll see if he can keep it going. I mean, that's really one of the most interesting storylines, I think, out there right now is, is is he's just slowly doing it below the radar. And, you know, the announcers talk about it sometimes, but um, it, it's, it's really incredible how he's been doing that. So let's do it, 10 car, finishing in the top 10. Now I'm going to talk about two guys. I know at some point in this season I've talked about these guys, both of them, to finish in the top 10, and I'm sure they both have let me down. But I'm, I'm going out on a limb. I'm kind of risking my uh, little streak here with the top 10s, and I'm going to go with Matt Kenseth to start. Because, like I said, I, I don't like throwing money down. I could easily take like a Chase Elliott or or somebody like that. But you're giving up too much. It's like minus 220 or something like that for, for that caliber of driver. But if you're talking about a, a high caliber driver, I mean, it, it's so tempting not to take somebody like Matt Kenseth. He's going off at plus 180. And his stats are what really draw you in. So I've been avoiding him. He has had a horrible season. We'll talk about it in a second. But let's focus just real quick on his races at New Hampshire because he's been here nine times or in his last nine races. He has the best average finish out of all active drivers, 6.3, 6.3. That is a ridiculous number. The next best guy has his average finishes. It's Kyle Busch, 8.2. So two finishing positions higher on average for Matt Kenseth. His driver rating is 7th out of everyone, 92.7. Really good stuff in the last, those that time period, two wins, six top fives, seven top tens. That's all we're talking about finishing here is top ten. We don't need him to win the damn race, just finish in the top ten. He's in that 42 machine. I don't know what's going on with them because when we're talking about this year, he's had one good finish. It was a second-place finish in Indianapolis, which kind of shocked a lot of people, but that was his only good finish of the year. Everything else has been 
shit. So we need a good finish out of that 42 car. If it's not going to be now, when is it going to be? Because I, if Kyle Larson was still in that race car, it, it really feels like the life got sucked out of that, even though he's out of there for the right reasons. I mean, no way he should be back driving that car. But when he was in the car, the team had juice. It had life. And since Kansas had been in there, except for Indy, it's been pretty dead. I mean, and it can't be because Matt Kenseth is a bad driver. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer. So I don't know what's going on there, but I think if you're going to expect anything to happen from them, it could happen this week. So give me Matt Kenseth, 42 team, finishing in the top 10, plus 180. Mark me down. Now, the next guy. The, the last top 10 that I'll call out, it's, it's Ryan Newman. He's going off at plus 250. The sports books, he has just been sliding down the sports books um, odds as soon as they come out. Plus 250 for Ryan Newman to, to finish in the top 10. Uh, a year ago, you'd be saying, what the hell is going on? And it, it makes you wonder, you know, is that injury, Daytona, really something that is impacting him, you know, throughout this season? Is he having problems physically because his finishes have been horrible he has one top 10 all season and it was the the finish at daytona where he wasn't even conscious he finished ninth he he was not conscious crossing the finish line and that's the only one that he has in the top 10 it's it's crazy to think about but at this racetrack out of all active drivers in the last 10 races eighth in average finish and 10th in driver rating. He has back-to-back top 10s at New Hampshire, sixth place finish and a seventh place finish. So he also is someone that can start in a bad spot. So bad starting qualifying position and finish in a good spot. So those top 10s, I mean, he started like way outside the the top 10 and, and made his way up through the field. You know, he's not starting anywhere near the front this time around. So Hey, that's a, a stat that I like to kind of cling on to. So plus 250, it's it's too good not to give up. I mean, you're really rooting for this guy in that six team to turn it around and, and do something. But we'll see. I mean, this is kind of a shot in the dark. It's, it goes along lines of what we were saying in the beginning where anything can happen. It's been proven with the race winners recently. So I just need a top 10. Give me a top 10 out of that six car. So good luck to them and let's win us some money. So now a couple true prop bets here. We're talking uh, top car for the manufacturer. And the group that I'm looking at right now is Chevy. Because when you're looking at the race winners, I I went back looking at the past five years or so, and and Chevy has not won a race in that time period. It's been a, a few years since they've won. But I wanted to look and see who was the top Chevy driver within the last few years or so. And I think I actually marked down on my page here the last four years. So 12th place finish was William Byron last year. So the the top Chevy driver last year finished 12th, and it was Byron. The year before that, it was 6th with Chase Elliott. And then the last two before that, both of them were Kyle Larson. So if we throw him out, because he's not racing, we're talking active drivers, the top Chevy driver finished 12th, Chase Elliott, and 10th, Kurt Busch, which is very far back. So what I'm getting at here is is it's a solid prop bet to take because when you're looking at it, Chase Elliott's going off at plus 180. Then there's a huge jump to the next best guy, and it's Kurt Busch at plus 550. 
So, when you take into consideration what I'm saying about the top Chevy driver really finishing anywhere between 6th and 12th, we're not in need of a guy who's Superman is going to go out there and, and win the race. We need a 6th to 12th place driver. And Kurt Busch really speaks to that. I mean, he's someone that could do that. And if, if Kurt's not your guy, if he's not to your liking, there's Alex Bowman going off at plus 700. We're going to talk about him in the head-to-heads. But, I mean, his numbers are, are terrible. But if you're trying to cash in on a, a big ticket, Chase isn't your answer at plus 180. You could get better value. I mean, it's a huge jump from plus 180 to plus 550. So for, for this case, I'm, I'm making a case for someone other than Chase I'm going with Kurt Busch, plus 550 to be the top Chevy driver this week at New Hampshire. Now, we're getting really squirrely because now we're talking about the car number over under the win. And so the winning car number over under 11.5. The under has hit four of the last five years. And Kyle Busch was the outlier in that one. But, I mean... It's a, it's a stat that I can't resist. I mean, I got to go under. I think in the past I've chosen over in this type of uh, bet and that number range. I think 11.5 is a pretty standard over-under. The reason to take the over is just because of the amount of cars that are up there. But I'm going to go under in this bet at New Hampshire just because of the track history. I mean, for the five last races here, going to be under 11 and a half. I mean, think about it. You're, you're talking Denny Hamlin. You're talking Kevin Harvick. You're talking Chase Elliott. I mean, these are the, the big hitters. Brad Keselowski's won here in the past. So, I mean, these are guys that can go out there and get it done. They're not guys that we called out to win the race in the money line section. But a lot of the favorites are, are down in that, you know, part of the, the number grid. So, under 11.5. For me this weekend in New Hampshire. And now we want to talk odd or even. Here's an even weirder stat. So even, this caught my eye because even was going off at minus 200. And I was like, wow, that's a really big number for an odd or even bet in NASCAR. But when you do some research on it, you'll see that 10 out of the last 11 races here, the car of the winning driver has been an even number. So I'm going to go even this year. I mean, why not? How is that uh, a trend to go against? You're going to be giving up a lot. Minus 200 is is a big, you know, number, but I think it could be worth it there. So if you've got some some money to throw down on that one on a pretty it's a pretty frivolous bet, uh, but it could pay off for you at the end of the day. So I like even on this one at New Hampshire to round out our prop section. Vegas baby, Vegas! So now we're going to get into the head-to-head section where we look at two different drivers going head-to-head, and we're going to see who we like to finish ahead of the other. And once again, this section is sponsored by Penn East Vineyards for great-tasting wine that's not going to break the bank. Penn East Vineyard is the wine for you this summer. You're going to be able to find some type of wine that fits your lifestyle. I like Kingfisher Red. That's one for me. And I was actually just with the CEO of Penn East Vineyards this past weekend. looks like we're going to try to work out some little uh, promo for giving away some free wine. So stay tuned for that. Give us a follow at Full Tank Phil on Instagram for any information that comes down about that one. But 
Penn East Vineyards taste like home. And the head-to-head section this week kind of has me a little bitter because I've been waiting around for these damn lines to come out all week. And it really was something that kind of confirmed a fear that I had. And it was, you know, NASCAR, when it was the only game in town, the sports books treated them like royalty. I mean, we had the line so early in the week. We got a lot more prop bets out there. And it was great. We, we saw the, the head-to-head lines coming out, you know, Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday morning sometimes. And, you know, life was good because you had a lot of time to dissect things and really read into it. Now that, you know, baseball's back, hockey, basketball, all these other sports are coming back in action, NASCAR is sort of getting kicked to the curb. I got my eye on it. I want to see how these sports books treat them as uh, as we move forward. If we start to lose different types of bets as the other sports really start to pick up. But um, for now, just kind of complaining that it, it took a while and I'm recording this, you know, really later than I wanted to be. But I digress. Let's get to the head-to-heads because they are finally out. And I've got some, some good matchups here. So let's start with more of the undercard, and we'll work our way up to the main event or a, a co-main event in this week's uh, race at New Hampshire. So we'll start with kind of a, a weird one. Uh, Alex Bowman versus Jimmy Johnson. So this is weird for a reason here, because if you start to look at these two side by side, it doesn't really pass the eye test. Alex Bowman has been here eight times, zero top 10 finishes. His career finish is 26th on average. So really bad. But since joining the 88, I mean, kind of like what we're saying about a couple of these other guys, once they got in a little bit better of equipment, their finishes started to go up. But he joined Greg Guys in that 88, and his finishes were 14th, 11th, 14th. So those were his last three starts here. Getting a little bit better, but Nothing that makes you really want to take your wallet out and throw something down on that 88 car this weekend. Now, Jimmy Johnson, all time for his career, is third in average finish at New Hampshire. But he has truly fallen off because in the last 10 races, it, it jumps to 15.9 from about 11. And uh, his average finish, yeah, that's his average finish in his last 10 races. So, that's why we do that. I mean, it's it's really the Jimmy Johnson effect. So you have to consider, you know, you got a guy who has been good here in the past, taking on a guy who just hasn't proven himself at this racetrack ever. I mean, no top tens lifetime. Johnson has a pattern of bouncing back. So when he misses the top 10, even up until recently, like in the last 10 races, when he misses the top 10, it follows up with a top 10 finish the year after. And Johnson finished well outside the top 10 last year. He finished 30th in the 2019 race. So that would tell you that he's poised for a top 10 finish. And we've already proven that that's something that Bowman can't really seem to put together. Head to head at this racetrack in eight races, Johnson has the lead five to three. And for the season, I just wanted to look and see where these guys stacked up against each other for the year. Johnson has the lead 10 to 8 there as well, which is kind of surprising to me because, you know, Johnson really hasn't put it much together. And Bowman, I mean, he's locked into the playoffs with a win at California. So a little surprising to see JJ with the 10 8 the lead there. So my pick 
it's going to be Jimmy Johnson. I'm, I'm going with the 48. This is probably his last race at New Hampshire ever. I mean, he's retiring from full-time racing, and I can't imagine that there'd be any scenario where he'd say, yeah, you know what, I'm coming back for a race at New Hampshire. Like, why would anyone do that? So this is his last time here, last hurrah. He's going to go out with a, a good head-to-head -head win over the 88 car, and keep these guys in mind because this is going to be a, a topic. This camp is going to be the topic for the Phil's Fired Up section in just a little bit. So Johnson there, minus 115. They're both even there, minus 115. He's my pick for the first head-to-head -head matchup. Next one up, Matt DiBenedetto versus Clint Boyer. This is another weird one that the book's put together here. Uh, these guys are both going off minus 115 apiece. And this is one where it's it's your gut versus your eyes. So let's talk about Matty D first. He has one top five in eight starts at this racetrack. His average finish is terrible. I mean, really bad. 27.2 is his average finish. But he's been in some bad race cars. And, you know, the 32 car and, and some ship boxes before that. I think it was like the 83. So last year he was in the 95 car, affiliation with the Gibbs camp, and he finished fifth, top five with the 95 car. So that would tell you that, you know, better equipment, better driver, better finish, things are going good. Now he's in the 21. Some would say that's a lateral shift from the, the 95 to the 21 because it's still uh, a team that's kind of on the outside looking into a bigger squad with Penske, but I would say that the 21 machine is a, a better vehicle than the 95 is just because the Penske squad is a, a three-car camp compared to the, the four-car camp. So this is really that fourth Penske car. And um, let's compare it to Clint Boyer because, you know, that's really all there is to talk about with Matty D. Clint Boyer, three top tens in the last 10 races here for him. His average finish, not great either, 19.5. Now, way better than DiBenedetto, 27.2, but still, last year's race, when Matt D finished uh, fifth, Boyer finished 20th. And in 2017, he had a good year. Two seventh-place finishes. That was the last time that they ran two races at this racetrack. Boyer had a good year, but since then, not really great numbers. But head-to-head -head at this racetrack lifetime, Clint has the 6-2 lead in eight races. And for the season this year, Right? Throwing everything out about New Hampshire's past, looking all the way back. We're talking this year alone, Clint has the 10-9 lead over Matt in 2020. So then it's like, okay, seems like Clint, right? I mean, he, he passes the stat test, passes the eye test, supposedly. But there's just something going on here in my mind. I, I was about to write Clint after looking at all the stats, but something's telling me, Matt's going to have a good race this weekend. So me, my pick is going to be Matty D minus 115 to beat the 14 car in Clint Boyer. I don't know why. This is the gut taking over. We'll see if it pays off for him here, Cotton, but we'll see. Matty D in that 21 car is going to beat the 14. That's my gut pick this weekend. I'm, I'm ignoring the stats. Eyes you know, blindfolded. I'm going with them. So now we're kind of working our way up to the, the co-main event here. And this is a battle of Gibbs teammates. 
Kyle Busch versus Martin Truex Jr. These guys are very good. So we kind of talked about some, some drivers who were not really that strong at New Hampshire. Well, these guys are the complete opposite. Real deal. All right. Kyle Busch, last 10 races, two wins, five top fives, eight top tens. And we're talking about most laps led. He's your guy, 730 laps led. That is first out of all active drivers. He has led laps in eight of the last 10 races at this track. Not many people can say that, that he's just consistently up front here. He finished eighth last year. And as far as average finish is concerned in the last 10 races, he's second. His driver rating out of all active drivers, second. I mean, what more do I have to say? This guy is good here. He's good. Comparing that to Martin Truex, zero wins, three top fives, six top tens in his last 10 races. And he's right behind Kyle on the, the leaderboard for laps led. He's second, but Kyle outpaces him by like 150 laps, 596 laps led but still pretty damn good in that category his average finish good enough for third out of all drivers 8.5 solid average finish and his driver rating is sixth so a lot of numbers what i'm trying to tell you is that these guys are you know very good opponents the books have kyle as the favorite here minus 125 to minus 106 for truex head to head at this racetrack that's really what I wanted to know when I was looking at the, the stats, because you, you look at the, the basic stuff and you're saying, all right, yeah, they're both really good, but let's dive a little bit deeper. Kyle has a 7-3 lead over Truex at this racetrack in the last 10 races. And this season, Kyle has an 11-8 lead on Truex. So, I mean, what's that tell you? I got to go with Kyle. It, it's strange because you know, even though recently at New Hampshire, it's been a little bit closer than that 7-3 stat would lead you to believe. I think it's more like 3-2 recently, but in years past, Kyle just dominated him. But this season, Kyle, you know, is just always taking it from the media, not having the year that we're used to, and blah, 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 blah. Truex, he's locked into the playoffs. He's just kind of floating below the radar. I expected more out of him at this point in the season, but, I mean, you don't hear anyone saying that he's having a rough year, and yet Kyle has an 11-8 lead on him in the head-to-head -head matchup. So my pick this weekend at New Hampshire for this slobber knocker of a matchup is Kyle Busch over Martin Truex Jr. Give me that minus 25 line for the 18 car and lock it in because I need to have something on somebody like that who's just so good at this type of racetrack. And now we'll get to our pretty much our main event. I know I, I threw the Bush Truex as a co-main event, but this really is the real deal. It's Kevin Harvick versus Denny Hamlin. These guys have just dominated this racetrack recently. I mean, they finished 1-2 here last year, and they've basically just been exchanging wins. So we'll start with Kevin Harvick. He's going off as the favorite, minus 125 over Hamlin. Two wins, seven top fives, seven top tens in the last 10 races. He has won the last two races here, and he has five of the last six years he's finished in the top five. So uh, just really good numbers from Harvick. We see this every week, it seems like. Like week after week, he's just always 
stat heavy. And, and it's not even because he's been around longer. I mean, because that's why we focus on the last 10 races. It's just because he's that good. Average finish is good enough for fifth out of all drivers, 10.5. And his driver rating is fourth out of everybody running on Sunday. Now, let's take a look at Hamlin. One win, three top fives, five top tens in the last 10 races. His average finish is right behind Harvick. It is sixth out of all drivers, 11.3. And talking about driver rating, he's first in driver rating, which is a, a crazy stat when you see like all the other stuff, right? Usually like driver rating, average finish, and, and laps led, they all kind of like lead the same, but it's just something about this racetrack. Stats are kind of all over the place. So Hamlin is the guy who's dominating the, the driver rating with well over uh, 100. I think it's like 100.3. And he was just a couple tenths of a way from a perfect driver rating at one point in his career. I think it was the last time he won a race. So really good numbers here. He won last week at Kansas. I talk about how I don't like that. That's a knock against him. And at New Hampshire, Harvick is six and four against Hamlin head to head. My pick is going to have to be Harvick in this one. I just can't pass up those, those crazy stats that I, I ripped off. With Hamlin, I mean, he typically is there in the end at New Hampshire, but for some reason, I have it in my head that when the, the 11 team wins a race, they don't really perform as well the next week. And I know they've gotten a little bit more time off, so maybe it's a little bit different that you can't really say that about them this time around because of the, the off Sunday, but I'm still going to stick with it. Kevin Harvick is my pick in this main event matchup over Denny Hamlin in the 11 car. The stats are just there for me, and, and I need to have something on the favorite. He is the the head and shoulders favorite heading to green on Sunday at the moment, going off to win the race at uh, plus 400 over everybody else. So let's recap all of the head-to-head -head picks. Kevin Harvick, the four car, over Hamlin in the 11. Then I'm going Kyle Busch in the 18 over Truex in the 19. Matty D, 21 car, beating Clint Boyer in the 14. And then we're going Jimmy Johnson, the old vet, the 48, going to take down the 88. Lock them in. I'm definitely parlaying all those. We'll see if we hit that elusive parlay. So we're going to finish off this episode with a Phil's Fired Up section. Haven't had one of these in a little while. And the reason I'm doing it this time is because I heard a rumor about something that could potentially happen in NASCAR. And it just made me think like, wow, it would be great to be able to bet on something like that. So the rumor that's circulating around the NASCAR world and, and the garage this weekend, I would assume, is Hendrick. The Hendrick Motorsports camp. Jimmy Johnson retiring. What are they going to do with that 48 car? And I think I said at the beginning of the year in one of these episodes, like, you should be able to bet on NASCAR free agency. The silly season is what they call it. And be able to bet the start of the 21 season who's going to be in each number vehicle, right? It's a pretty good idea to have. And if you're a sports book, it's pretty low risk. I mean, you might have to do a little bit of research on it, but... That's, you know, the starting point. You should have that ability. But the rumor that's going around this week that's kind of caught my eye is the fact that they're thinking that Hendrick Motorsports might move to a three-car team next year and get rid of the 88 team 
moving Alex Bowman over to drive the 48 machine, which is a crazy thing to think about. I mean, so many things about that are wild. They're, the rumors are citing the fact that, you know, the, the sponsorships are just so hard to come by. I mean, money in NASCAR is just not flowing in like it did years and years and years and years ago. So it's much harder to field a, a race team. But it's not something that you would ever think Rick Hendricks teams would be saying. I mean, they've, they've been the New York Yankees, it seems like, of NASCAR for such a long time. So this just has me thinking, you know, not only would I want to bet who's driving the 48 next year, clearly Alex Bowman would shoot to the top of that favorite list on those odds, but I would love to be able to bet on, you know, how many cars Rick Hendrick's going to have next year. And for the most part, you could do that across the board because that kind of shit could happen to any team at any time. So very interesting rumor. I love the ability to bet on free agency, but I, I want to bet on, and it's not necessarily a, a negative type of bet, right? Like people losing, you could bet on whether Penske is going to field four cars next year because, you know, they've been gaining steam. Started with a two-car team a little while back. Then they added Blaney a couple years ago. Maybe they're thinking about adding a fourth team. You know, you should have that ability to say, yeah, you know, plus 3,000 or whatever. I'm going to say that they're going to be a, a four-car team next year. It's it's a crazy bet, but throw something down. And I think at the beginning of 2020, if the ability to say, is Hendrick going to be a three-car team next year, that would have been a, a wild odds to take probably just out of this world and now the rumors are circulating that you know it could happen and i heard greg ives in an interview he's the crew chief of the 88 so that's the team that would be dismantled pretty much and the the interviewer asked you know how do you keep from distractions you know i mean this clearly has to be circled and the answers that he was giving did not give me any confidence that this is a, a non-issue this made it seem like it was a, a pretty valid thing. So I want odds on this. I want to bet. Are they a four-car team? Are they a three-car team? Who's in the 48? Who's in the 88? You know, is it nobody? Is it somebody different? I need odds on this, and that's why I'm fired up this week because, you know, it's, it's just like every other sport, right? When you have big free agents in, say, baseball, right? Where was Bryce Harper going to land? The, the Vegas was what was giving us as the fans all the information. So I don't see why that can't translate over to NASCAR and really makes me fired up. So that's why I'm bringing it up this week. And we'll see. I mean, we'll see if that rumor comes to fruition. We'll see if we're ever able to bet on something like that. I hope so in the near future. Well, we're coming up to the checkered flag of another episode of Full Tank with Phil be sure to follow us on Instagram at Full Tank Phil, and we will put out any updates to our picks. But we're going into New Hampshire. Possibility of a boring race. Might as well throw some money on it. So let's go out there. We'll cash in on some money lines. I'm feeling good about it. Continue our top 10 picks and hit that parlay. I'm, I'm going after it strong this weekend. Get ready because we've got multiple races coming up next week. At Michigan, it's going to be a good one. Remember, drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next time. No place to go. no place to go. Darling, no place to go. no place to go.